Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning. Man, we are so glad you're here with us this morning. Streaming online, people in our house here today, thank you so much. Wow, what a morning. What a day. It's been so cool to watch God's people come together and make this happen. And wherever you are, I've gotten texts from different houses saying these families are with us and these families are with us. It's so cool. It is, it is really the miracle of the church. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit this Sunday on House Church Sunday, the New Testament and the miracle of the church. I remember when my first son was born, Colin, and I'm looking right at him. He's right here. Uh, It's such a miracle, you know, to watch just over and over, like, how is this possible? I remember, and she she had a different type of labor. She had, like, back labor, and I'll get into the, all the gross details, but, but, but to say that she had back pain and she didn't have the normal contractions when he was born. So we didn't know all day. She just thought her back hurt because she's pregnant. She's carrying a lot of weight in front that she'd never carried before. If you've ever seen my wife, she's little. She's still little. I, she stops thinking about chocolate for five minutes. She loses 10 pounds. I just walk past the bakery, gain 10 pounds. It's just the way it goes. But she, she just she had this pain in her back and then somewhere that night it got to the place where she was like this is it let's go and we drove in our little Mazda the hospital little door handle up there above the window she held it so tight she basically loosened it and we were never able to tighten it again I think she might have stripped out the screws from the pain she was having from the contractions she's strong and and then we got to the hospital and she's always gone pretty quick and then she had him, uh, and it was just a miracle. I remember those first few days just being in awe of how much God loved me because I was thinking how much I love my son to this point. I'd never seen, I'd never met, I didn't, I didn't know him. And when they come out of that womb, when they're there, you hold him in your arms, you change him for the first time, you see him fed for the first time. And you realize, I helped make this. Like, this is a miracle. This is amazing. Well, the miracle of the first church, Bobby and Dave talked about some of them on Pentecost, but the very first miracle, or maybe the very last miracle of the day of Pentecost, it wasn't just tongues or people getting saved, but it was the birth of the church. It was a miracle. And that miracle has lasted over 2,000 years across the globe. Right now, in Ukraine, they're under attack. But the church is meeting and gathering and praying and calling on God. You can see it just from scrolling that there are Christians in Ukraine saying, we're clinging to the Lord. We're believing God for our nation. That's the beauty. That's the amazing part of the church. In the worst and best parts of the planet, God is on the move. God is meeting with his bride. 
His bride is gathering and lifting up his name. And that's what we're doing right now. We're joining that ancient song, that age-old practice of gathering and worshiping. And we often do it in a building. Today, we're doing it in house to house. But I'm going to tell you what, you're not alone even in that. So if you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2, verses 45 to 47. This is the end of Acts chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit's fallen. People spoke in tongues. People got saved. And they went from 120 to like 3,000 in about 10 minutes. That's pretty good church growth strategy. I like that. And it says they sold their property and possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So today, if you're watching most likely from your house, or maybe you're at somebody else's house, you are joining in an expression of something the early church did. Some people think, well, this is all they did. No, it says they gathered in the temple and house to house. So it's not either or, it's both. So today, we're joining in that expression. And next week, we're going back to the temple expression. It's both. They're both awesome. It's the mega church and the mini church. It's the house church and the, and the church that meets in a giant auditorium, in an arena. God is in both. There's, I've seen underground churches where they're huddled. They're, they're, they're trying to protect and save their lives. I've been in villages in nowhere, Mexico, where God was moving in a family. Matter of fact, I remember we were outside of Zacatecas, Mexico, in the mountains somewhere, and there was a family that their lives have been devastated. They called on God to literally say, pray and heal our land in the midst of this desert, in the midst of all this nothing, really. No vegetation, no life. And we pulled up to their house, their hut, and it was covered in greenery and plants, literally like vines up and growing over. Nobody else had anything, but they had this. And it was like this picture about God. When they turned to God, God healed them. And God met us there. And I've been at giant auditoriums, tens of thousands of believers calling on God. And God was there too. He's in both. And today you're joining that. And, and as we're doing that, we're going to do some of the things the early church did. Kind of interactive. I want you to partake with us today, not just par-sit. That's lame. All right, so what did they say? What did they do? What's the first thing? It says they gave. They sold property and possessions to meet needs. A great church meets people's needs. That's it. So if you have somebody in your house today, man, get them the cup of coffee. Don't even ask. Just get it for them. And then if they say, I don't drink coffee, then kick them out of your house. I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> but, but that's what we do. That's what the church, we meet needs, small and big. We have a next-door neighbor that is a single mom. She loves the Lord. She has a church. But when it snows, we do our best to shovel her walk, sometimes shovel her driveway. Why? Because we can. Because that's what believers do. We meet other believers' needs. We find each other, and we do what we can. Chuck Swindoll said, The remarkable fellowship of the followers of Christ was such that they lost their sense of personal entitlement. 
Wealth and possessions became a means of meeting the needs of fellow believers. This doesn't mean they lived communally together in a compound like one large household. It means their unique fellowship produced extraordinary unity and generosity. People became more important to them than the things of their own comfort. Some people use this as an argument. See, the New Testament church was communist or socialist. No, they weren't. Because they weren't forced to do it. They were compelled. See, if somebody takes something from me to give it to somebody else, that's not giving. But this community of faith was so compelled, so in awe of the Savior, they viewed nothing as their own. Here, take it. Take it. Now, you want it. It's that scene at the end of Schindler's List where he's, as, as they're loading on the train, he's saying, I, I could have sold my watch. I could have sold this ring. I could have... He has this revelation of compassion, of what more he could have done. And he did it a tremendous amount. That's the heart of God, and that the heart of God is expressed through the church. A great church and the people of God, here's what we do. You want to be the church? Find a need and meet it. That's it. We way overcomplicate it. Find a need, find somebody who's hurting, and do your best to heal their hurt. Provide for them. Come through for them. Give them a place to stay. Give them a place to go. Financially bless them. Pray for them. A lot of times as Christians now, we get caught in our own little comfortable world, and we say, I'll pray for you. And it's really our Christian way of saying, I don't want to do anything. God bless you. <laughs> you know, and is God in that? He's not. He's not. Now, sometimes that's all we can do. I have, we have a missionary we support who I love very dearly. is a dear friend of mine, Josh Kegel. He's in Gdansk, Poland right now. And they're getting refugees in from Ukraine like crazy. And they're trying to be the church. There's not a lot we can do for Josh right now. But we do what we can. I can't go to Josh right now and help him. But I can pray. And, and I can give. Right? We find a need and we meet it. That's what our giving does. Our giving doesn't simply pay for us to be on Facebook or, or my salary. No, our giving goes far further than that. The generosity of the church is world-changing. Did you know that there's a statistic out there that says if the entire church across the globe actually tithed, and tithe means to give 10%, if we did that, then you know what would happen? We would be able to meet every need there is on the planet. We'd be able to feed all those who are hungry, clothe all those who, who are naked, and, and house all those who are homeless, and then some. There would be more than we know what to do with. But the irony is only about 10% of the church gives 10%. Why is that? There's a really great song I like by, I think it's Gable Price and Friends, and they say in that song, they said, I'm tired of tithing my heart. We're givers. That's what we do. We give whatever we got. Take it, Lord. And we give it to other people. We give it to the church. We give it wherever it's needed. And today, I want you to have that opportunity. So right now, right on your screen, the give slide's probably up. 
I want you to think, God, I give whatever I give. Thrive's a very generous church, and many of you give very faithfully. And then some of you way over and above your own faithful giving. But I want you to take this moment, and I want you to think, God, just today, I want to be an extra giver. What can I give? So let's pray for just a second, and I want you to ask the Lord, God, do you want me to give something extra today? And how can I? You know, I'm going to give, I'm going to have $1,000 to the building fund because, man, I, I want a place where we can call home to have ministry and make an impact today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give $100 to RFK today. I'm going to give $50 to missions today. Whatever it is. And you're just going to say, I want to bless the kingdom of God. I want to advance it, and here's what I got, Lord. It's really, think about what God owns versus what we own. It's not a lot. If it's a million dollars, it's not a lot in comparison to what Jesus gave us. But take this moment and just explode in generosity. So I pray that right now. I pray for every believer watching, that they go to their app, that they go to their phone, that they go online and they say, God, how do you want me to give? What can I do? And if it's another, if it's another thing, another ministry, God, then, then lead them to that. But God, that you would bless them to take a moment say, God, what? I don't want to just give out of my excess right now. I want to give out of my need. This is a sacrificial gift. It's a little hard to give. But here, Lord, take it. It's all yours anyway. Let your hand be upon them and bless them in their giving, that we would be people who find needs and meet them. And when your church does that, it shakes the earth in Jesus' name. What else? What else did the early church do? They gathered. They worshiped together in church and at home. See, a thing happened uh, some time ago when the Bible was being translated. The original word for the church in the Greek is ekklesia, the gathering of the believers. And it was a large group gathering. It wasn't the two or three. But it was the gathering, the assembly of the church. That was what the church... But when they were translating it, at one point, they changed the word because they didn't feel like they had a good word for it. So they used a German word, kirche, which meant building. And it changed the mentality of what the church was. That the church wasn't the gathering of the people wherever they were in an assembly to honor God and do the Lord's Supper and worship and pray and teach the word. They changed it into a building. And ever since then, we've struggled with that mentality. The church is not a building. But the church gathers. It's both. It, it's not both in that it's a building, but it gathers. Now, so some people would say, great, so what I can do is what Matthew 18, 20 says, where two or three are gathered, there I am among them. So that's me having church, right? No, <laughs> it isn't. And that's not a slam. You are doing something powerful and holy. God's presence is there in that moment when two or three are gathered. It says that. Jesus said that. But he doesn't say that's the ecclesia. The ecclesia is the gathering of the saints under spiritual leadership and authority to worship God, to hear his word, to be equipped to do the work of ministry, and then go back out on Monday and do it. And then on Monday, when we gather in two or three, so... The ecclesia is not bound to a building. It is bound to a gathering. Now, when two or three gather, 
it's not that you didn't have church, but what, here's what you did have. You had his presence, and that's powerful. That's amazing, and God wants us to do that. When, if you're with your family right where you are, and that's all you have there today while you're streaming, when you gather in his name, his presence is there. Say, I don't feel it. feels drafty. No, it's, he is there. It's a promise. When you don't feel him, he's there. But New Testament believers gather. I hope today you met with another believer and you're, you're doing this together and not just alone in your own house. I hope. But if you are, that's okay. We understand some people couldn't and that's the way it is. But even in house church, gathering matters. It always matters. You know what? This past couple years, and this has given me, I said this morning, this has given me like COVID flashbacks because we're setting it up and we're, 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 we're doing what we did two years ago. And God bless Kimmy and Eric for letting us use their basement for three months as a studio. Some of you are like, that was a basement? It was. It wasn't as, uh, it was nicer than this actually. And we got to spend the time on that. But you know what else happened in COVID? Some churches kept doing that for as long as they possibly could. Because some leaders, some pastors, some church people, they liked not having to go to a gathering anymore. And then some were just afraid of the gathering. But did you know that 15% of churches in the U.S. died during COVID? Not from COVID. The churches died from the impact of the policies against COVID. And 40% of those churches still hang in the balance. They don't know what's going to happen. Unfortunately, some of us, we disobeyed God. His word says to gather. Hebrews says, don't forsake the gathering. That was a mistake on our part. That being said, we were all doing our best. It's okay. There's grace. There's understanding. God knows what he's doing. He's in charge of his church. But the church gathers. Ed Young said this years ago. Some people are like, well, you know, they, they say they don't go to church, but, you know, they're a Christian. That's kind of like saying, you know, uh, I'm in the, the NFL. Oh, yeah? What team do you play for? Well, I don't play for a team. I'm just, I'm in the NFL. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you're, you're, you're part of an expression. You're part of, that's like saying I'm a branch. Really? What tree are you on? I don't, I don't believe in being on a tree i'm just a branch then then your fire your firewood your kindling you're in trouble you need to get grafted into a body you need to be in the gathering you need to be in a church and if you're watching right now you probably are and good on you if you're somebody who's been streaming thrive for months but you haven't come man i would tell you next week come on out not just you need us, but we need you. You bring something to the table we don't have because God uniquely designed you. The beautiful thing about the fellowship and that gathering of believers, Luke characterizes their worship with two Greek words, joy and simplicity. Agaliasis and aphelotes, I believe. Joy and simplicity. We either make it that it's so simple, like 
I'll just have church by myself on a walk in the woods. You're not having church. Because the church means literally the gathering. Nobody's gathered with you in the woods. And if they are, seek help. Because that's not a gathering. <laughs> doesn't mean you can't meet with God there. It doesn't mean his presence isn't there. It doesn't mean he can't speak to you. But there's something powerful about when we gather. You ever seen like a really great choir? I know, the choirs aren't cool anymore. We all hate glee now. I get it. <laughs> but have you ever seen one? Or maybe have you ever even been in one? I remember in high school, for this short window, we had this really strong choir. And, and in my freshman year, every year at Christmas, we would do the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. And that freshman year, there was like 20, 30 guys just in the choir at high school, which is a big thing, you know. And then guys just gradually dropped off because singing wasn't cool in a choir. But I remember just like, man, you ever heard that? You ever heard a choir sing Handel's Messiah, the, the Hallelujah Chorus? It'll blow you away. Well, infinitely more so, and into the songs of eternity is the church when they gather. It's powerful. And you lose one voice, it's just not the same. You gain more voices, it shakes the earth. So don't overcomplicate it. Get to church, be a part of the gathering, and meet, but meet with him everywhere. Gather with Jesus and other believers all the time. Worship everywhere, pray anytime, live it all the time. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to be, let me tell you something, be spiritual. <laughs> I think it's time we get a little more weird and a little less practical. We've become so practical, we're, we're, we're pointless. We've become so pragmatic, we're not effective. There's something powerful about saying, Jesus, would you gather with me now? Would you gather with me tomorrow? Would you gather with me here? Now you're like, well, I don't want to become an experiential Christian. All right, I'm just going to say it. I do. I want to experience God. Moses experienced God on the mountain when his glory passed by him. Elijah experienced God when fire fell from heaven. The disciples experienced God when they saw the resurrected Christ, when the Holy Spirit came down at Pentecost. I want that. <laughs> How could you not want that? Yes, we're mature enough as believers to say, I don't live by experience to follow Jesus. But following Jesus says, I want to experience you. They're not in contradiction. They're in cohesion. It's beautiful. It's amazing. That's what communion is. It's a moment that says, I remember you. I honor you, and I sit at your table, and I want to encounter you. I want to take part in your body and your blood, in your presence, Lord. So where you are at home right now, you should have communion. It's going to come up on the screen. And as it does, I want you to hand that out amidst the people who are in your gathering. You're going to partake together. You're going to do it, okay? We'll help facilitate. But you're going you're gonna to take part in the body 
and the, and the blood where you are. It's the last thing Jesus did with his disciples. It was a meal, was a gathering. The last thing Jesus did with his disciples was basically have church. said this moment right here remember me remember me when you don't feel like I'm there remember me when the church doesn't look like me remember me when your best friend walks out of the meal and goes to betray you remember me when they want to put you in prison Remember me when you want to quit. Remember me when you're distracted. He took the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat it, think of me. Father, we ask for clean and pure hearts before you. We are a wicked, sinful people who are in desperate need of a Savior. God, I'm a sinner, but I am saved by grace, redeemed. And every time we partake of your table, we become just a little holier, just a little closer, a little more near to your heart. Let's take the bread together. My blood is poured out for you. There's debates over should you use wine, grape juice? I don't think it really matters. I think what matters is who it represents. My Savior giving me everything, letting Himself be literally poured out for me as a sacrifice as a lamb saying I'll cover you I'll cover your sin I'll cover your shame and your nakedness and your brokenness and your PTSD your anger your slothfulness your gluttony your lust pedophilia nightmares anger loss grief I can make it whole. I can make you clean. It's an amazing grace. It's amazing. Let's partake of the blood. And the last thing is, as a church, they grew. they grew did you know they didn't have one book on church growth Riker not one at least we haven't found one I don't, not that I know of I, I haven't found any archaeological digs but I, I don't think so so how'd they grow right? oh, oh they had a good building oh wait they didn't nope they didn't have a building and that gives me hope <laughs> 
had dynamic speakers. Nope, they had Peter, who regularly shoved his foot into his mouth as his cornerstone ministry. So what did they have? They had the Holy Spirit, and they were the church. And when they gathered, and they spent time with the Lord, and they prayed together, and they worshiped, and they just said, God, here am I. Use me. Preach through me. Sing through me. They grew exponentially. That's what they were doing in the upper room. They weren't like, everybody pray loud so we'll gather a crowd. It's not what they did. And the crowd made fun of them. Even now, there's people like, I don't like the church. I don't like the way the Western church does this, etc., etc. Well, let me tell you something. God loves his bride. Stop putting her down. And let me tell you, I made a good ministry out of that for a while. I was critical of the church all the time. My heart was wrong. God loves this bride. He loves you. He loves this gathering. He loves these people. And yet they're hypocrites and they're liars and they're gossipers. And they're, 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 yeah, welcome to the family. <laughs> We're not here because we've arrived. We're here because he came for us. We're going to grow by being faithful to that mission and calling. As they were just the church, they grew. The church goes and meets needs. The church gathers and lifts up his name and partakes in the table. And the church is going to grow. Because the work of God just can't be stopped. The gospel just can't not work. The gospel works. It's just the end of it. We don't need any more strategies. Those are good. I'm done with them. We don't need any more good ideas on how do we get people here like this, like that. We know that our stream isn't perfect today. Don't care because God's presence is here. God's presence is with you where you are watching. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Oh